Well, it's another Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Judy Sharp for Gardening at Talkback. Judy, how are you this windy day? Extremely well, thank you, Greg. Oh, that's very good. Now, what do you plan for us today, Judy? Well, we have a lovely giveaway today. It's uh, a package of all the eco products, uh, eco neem, which is very popular at the moment because it actually kills grasshoppers. Oh, that's handy. Mm, only thing that does. And then we're going to talk about the up-and-coming planting of the Wonder Tomatoes. Everyone waits for this time of year. Very good. I'm actually nice to hear a bit about killing grasshoppers as well, because usually Scott tells me just scissors and cut their heads off. He does. It's quite barbaric. It is. And, but, you know, you know the other thing that he does, don't you? What's the other thing he does? Well, he takes them out and feeds them to the gander. Oh. One gulp and it's down. <laughs> Now, Judy, you mentioned something a little bit earlier about tomatoes, starting to get them planted or? Yeah, Greg, uh, they're just starting to come online for the season. Even though it's cold and miserable out there, a lot of keen uh, vegetable growers look for tomatoes now. And they'll only be little babies coming in, so you might have to really give them some protection. Okay. But the ideal place to plant tomatoes at this time of year is against a nice warm brick wall, in a bed against a brick wall that's going to reflect the heat. And here's an old trick. Yep. What you do? (laughs) You actually tape foil to the brick wall. Oh, okay. Ordinary old cooking foil, and it reflects the sun onto the tomato. What people used to do when they did sunbaking, gave themselves a little bit of foil. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And it works. Trust me, it does work. And you know, of course, we'll be coming up to the situation. Everyone's going to be asking us, "What can we do now? We've got the tomatoes, but what about the dreaded fruit fly?" That always comes around. Buzz, buzz, buzz. Yeah. So we've got a few little hints today for them as well. Very good. So first up, we've got Myrna from New Lambton, and she's got advice regarding quite a number of plants. Apparently. Hello, Myrna. Are they all suffering from winter? Oh, who knows, love? I can't work it out. First of all, I've asked about the rhubarb before to the gentleman that was on. He said, look, I don't know. But the rhubarb, it's, it's growing all the leaves, but the stalks aren't like they should be. What am I doing wrong? I'm feeding it something. When you say gentleman, you couldn't surely be talking about Scott, <laughs> are you? Could be. It must be somebody else. <laughs> must be somebody else. Um, so, Myrna, tell me, you've got all leaves and no stalks? Uh, the stalks are there, but they're not them nice red stalks like they should be. Okay. Now they're, they're about six inches long, and they're pinkish, but not like I'd expect to see them about. No. Look, this is a common complaint, Myrna, unfortunately. Uh, rhubarb does this. You can buy Sydney Crimson, and you'll find it will suddenly go pale or green or cream. Uh, it's something rhubarb does. A lot of people are going to ring in now giving us suggestions, but I've never found there's a real cure for it. The only hint I can give you, we've got rhubarb growing at the nursery in a pot. looks absolutely magnificent, and guess what? It does not get the full sun. Now, I'm getting more and more convinced every day that when they're out in the full sun, that's when the stalks lose their colour. Mine isn't in the full sun. Well, okay, let's try it in the morning sun. Try it in the morning sun and you let me know what happens. I've only come to this um, conclusion recently looking at this potted one at the nursery and I keep thinking, why is that rhubarb so red? But it definitely doesn't get all day sun. It's in fact during the winter it's been almost in the shade. So it's 
how it's mowing, actually. Has it? Well. Oh, maybe I expect too much from that one. I don't know. But you know, it still tastes rhubarb Oh, I want to make an apple and rhubarb tart. (laughs) And I thought, yeah, we'll wait and see now. Well, you could do that and put some cochineal in to make it red. (laughs) <laughs> but it's definitely going to taste it will taste rhubarb you trust me on that alright it's a bit like the summer I knew that was putting something um, beetroot or something into red salmon when they sold their sandwiches to make it red and I thought oh yeah oh, you'd, you'd pick that one though wouldn't you you'd pick that one I would anyway yes yeah I believe in karma I couldn't do that <laughs> now um, citrus tree orange and lemon now, they have been bearing very well last year, and I listened to your program about that. They were moulding before they fell off the tree. Not all of them, but they'd grow mouldy and fall off the tree before they were ripe. But they were beautiful, what we did pick. Um, it's got some sort of a curl on it, on the leaf, but what do I do it with now before we get the second crop? They're a navel orange. The lemon tree is right next to it. A couple of years back, we had buckets full of them. Last year, we didn't get many. Um, same thing happened to them, but not so much them going mouldy. What am I doing wrong? Now, Myrna, when you say mouldy, yep. you sure it wasn't something called melanos? I wouldn't have a clue. They look like mouldy to me. No. Did you take it into a nursery and let someone have a look at it? And I spoke about it, and I heard a few people talking about the same thing on your program. Right. Okay. Look, that sounds more like melanos to me, and you treat that with copper oxychloride? Yeah, and even if it was mould, the copper will do fix it as well. Right. Now I'm going to ask you a couple of curly ones. Yeah. How long since you fed those citrus trees? Very often, I'd say at least two, twice a year. Right. Yeah. And they're in the ground, aren't they? Yeah. So do you give them poultry manure out to the drip line? Poultry manure and... um, and citrus food? No, no, no. They have had the citrus food, but what's the other thing is coming all the time? Oh, goodness. Sulfate of potash. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, you've, you've got all bets covered, so you've passed the exam this morning. But I think you do need copper oxychloride for the um, melanos, okay? Yeah, spraying it on? Or... Yes, yeah, spray it on, dear. Yep. Okay, yeah. And Thank that... you, Beans, I've got the beans, but they're not coming up, so they in too early. What was it? Beans. Sorry. Oh, beans, beans. Yep. You've put them in too early. They don't like the cold. Okay, and it's been cold. And yes. it has been cold. Now, you grow peas in winter and beans in summer. My husband only got beans. <laughs> well, he'll have to wait now till the weather warms up, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. And passion fruit tree. Now, I know the cockatoos or whatever's coming along the fence has been eating them. The vine is absolutely beautiful, but I'm not getting the passion fruit. You sure it's not um, possums eating the passion fruit? It could be, but I don't see them. (laughs) Well, you know, they're clever little devils. They only come out at night. But the other thing that will eat them are the rats if they're hungry. I have rats, I don't think. So what do I do? Well, there isn't a lot you can do, really, Myrna, unless you're going to... Be prepared to cover them. With what? How, how would I? Oh, happen? just a net. You can buy some netting, you know, which a lot of people use to cover figs when they're on the tree. Yeah, I've done it with tomatoes. Yeah. I'm going to try your little. <laughs> You're going to try the your foil on the brick wall, are you? Okay, good. 
<laughs> okay, Myrna, I hope that's helped you, darling. Thank you very much for the call. Thank you so much. Okay, bye. Bye. And we've got Ray from Wall's End. Now, Ray, you've got some issues with asparagus. Indeed. I love the vegetables you said you do, and uh, just wondering how to grow it, uh, when's the best time to uh, to plant, and uh, you know, best position in the yard and so on. If Judy was able to assist, I'd be uh, quite happy. Ray, you can actually buy them in a corm form. Right. Uh, which, you know, generally that indicates that they have a couple of years on them because they do take a couple of years to actually fruit. Oh, so okay. if you see them, you know how bulbs come in packages? Yes, yes. Well, if yes. you see any asparagus around like that um, in a bulb package, that is an excellent way to buy them because you know they're a little bit more mature. Right. And the other way you will find, uh, and... Uh, I know that we do, and so I'm guessing that other garden centres do too. Uh, they will become available as the weather warms up uh, in a herb pot. Okay, right. Yeah. So, And they're right. not difficult to grow. They really aren't. Everyone worries about them, but they grow very, very easily. Oh, that, that makes it easy for me. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, most vegetables like a little bit of sun apart from the rhubarb. Um, mm. But, um, you know, if you can find uh, the one in the package, you're going to find that's a bit more mature because they do take a couple of years to start in fruit. Okay. And uh, you said you uh, have the asparagus in the uh, a herb. What did you say, a herb? In little herb pots, you know, the little the square herb pots, pots yeah, here, but yeah, that won't be yeah. till the weather warms up. Okay, right. Okay, so when, when When is the best time to uh, to plant? Oh, look, you know, the, um, I hate to say it, but the bulb form have been here and probably sold out in most places. Uh, right. So really you could be starting to plant any time from now, but you okay. won't find the um, the ones growing available yet for quite a few weeks. Okay, then. Oh, Judy, look, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And are they temperamental at all? Or? Not at all. Not, not at, all. at all. I Look, I think they're not grown a lot because um, they can be a little bit untidy in the garden. Yes. Yeah, I think that's why you don't see yeah. them grown a lot here. Okay. Okay? No, look, thank you. I very much appreciate the advice. Thank You're you. welcome, Ray. Thanks okay. for the call. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers, Ray. We've got Faye from Redhead, and oh, she looks like she needs some advice on trying to deter rabbits from eating her plants. Mm. No good, Faye. What's going on with them? Oh, they just eat them. <laughs> <laughs> Poor just... little things. It's been a cold winter, Faye, and they are hungry. Oh, <laughs> they could go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I did have a lady in recently who told me that she had hung... Uh, do you know a plant called Streptocarpus? No. You probably do know it as nodding violet. It gets, oh, yes, yeah, I've got that. Have mm. you now? Well, yeah. she told me she hung some along the fence and it's the only thing she's ever found that the rabbits don't like. Oh. So uh, maybe you could I've just been trying that. to think of the name of this. <clears throat> it's quite popular. It's a little, uh, little blue flower, like... Um, <clears throat> falls over, drapes down, um, starts with a V, I think. Uh, not the, e- evolvulus? No, the, the bantam or something. No, that's not it. That's something um, else. But yeah. anyhow. We'll be going forever trying to guess yeah. this one, I think, sweetheart. <laughs> well, this yeah. pot I had out the front, um, 
oh, it was coming along. It was just beautiful. So pretty. The lady next door said to me, well, I saw everything. She said, I come out early this morning and the rabbit was sitting up in the pot <laughs> eating it. Oh, they're cute, aren't they? No. <laughs> Funny, no this they is are it. cute, but... You've tried all the deters and all... Well, I haven't because I haven't known what to do. Someone said sprinkle pepper around. Oh, yes, or cloudy ammonia. But there is a wonderful product called Deter that was originally introduced, strangely enough, to keep seagulls off boats. Oh, okay. Because you know what they do when they're sitting on the wires and the sails of boats, yeah. And uh, Deter was introduced for that. But they found it is a very good deterrent to a lot of other pests. Oh, okay. So you could look for that product. That's excellent. That's in the nurseries? Yes, you would find it in nurseries, yes. Okay, Judy, thank you very much for that. That's I'll okay. go and see what I can do. <laughs> but before you go, I've got yes. another little hint for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I pick up these hints not from practice but from customers telling me, which is really useful. Yep. Uh, another lady told me that even though fruit attracts them, she found they were eating every bit of fruit on her tree, so she started putting out a bowl of fruit, and they started to eat that and left her tree alone. Oh, okay. Well, I've got no fruit. Everything I've got is in pots. Yeah, well, maybe just, put out a know. bowl of fruit and see what happens. Okay, well, I can give it a try. <laughs> I know there's going to be listeners out there saying Judy's mad because that will encourage no, them. No, But, uh, uh, you know, sometimes someone's found a solution using that, so it's worth trying. It's worth a try. But I just was thinking I have a lot of magpies, a lot of uh, kookaburras, and they probably get to the fruit before the rabbits. No, but you need to do it going to bed because they come out at night. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I've been out all through the day here too. Oh, are they? Oh. It's a free-for-all. It's a supermarket <laughs> for these rabbits. All over, there's not quite as many, but there's still a heap. They come from property along the road a little bit, and there's oh, nothing in there for them to eat. Are they pet rabbits? No, they're right. wild rabbits, oh. but they are cute. Can they you are set, cute. Can, can you set rabbit traps? Yeah, well, you can get you can get traps at the vets, I'm sure, like a cage, yep. um, and then you can relocate them or get a stew going. And then it, well, the lady across the road said she was sick and tired of all her herbs getting eaten. She said, if I could just catch one, I can throw it in in the pot, and it's already got all the um, the herbs in the there. herbs oh. and that in it. <laughs> It's all a, oh, all like rabbits. Mm. <laughs> okay, anyway. we'll try that and see what happens, dear. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You can sell them and take them to the butchers as well. It's very expensive, rabbit meat. It is. You know, Scott makes a great rabbit stew. Not, ki- not kidding, he does. Now, Judy, you've got a tomato spray recipe. It's a very an old school It is recipe. a very old school, and uh, it's simply... Um, done by mixing up pineapple juice. Right. But the problem is, Greg, I have been told you can't buy tins of pineapple juice now. Surely you can. Well, surely you could, you would imagine. <laughs> mm. Or even if you use bottles of pineapple juice, I, I, I'd find that hard to believe. Right. But someone did say that the other day. But the recipe is to keep fruit fly away and white fly, you mix one quarter of a tin of pineapple juice Now, please, listeners, don't ring me up and ask me what size tin of pineapple (laughs) juice because it's going to be whichever one you can get. And then you mix that with two teaspoons of liquid soap, 
that's what you put in you yep. when you you know when you wash up, Greg. You know when you do oh, your dishes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah that I, kind of someone does that for me, but yeah. Oh, you lucky man! <laughs> and you mix that with five liters of water. So simply, it's a quarter of a tin of pineapple juice, two teaspoons of liquid soap, and five liters of water. Then you spray this mixture onto the problem areas in your garden, which, as time progresses, will be the tomatoes that are going to be getting fruit fly attack. Mm. All done. So easy. Easy. I have another one of my own in a minute. I'll tell you. Fair, fair enough. If anyone does have any other recipes as well, you can let us know. It's gardening talk back on two and you are FM. We've got Pat from Sunshine in the Morissette Peninsula, and she's got problems with a lemon tree. How are you doing, Pat? Well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. Hi, Pat. What can I help Hi. you with? Hi, Judy. Um, uh, my lemon tree has yellow leaves, no green leaves at all. Oh. It's only small. Is it in a pot or in the ground? In the ground. Right. And how long have you had it, Pat? About six months. Six months. So you would have given it a little bit of fertiliser in that time? Yes, I gave it some citrus food. Right, okay. Uh, it, had five, it had five lemons on it when we bought it and there's still three on there now. Right, well, what's probably happening, They're put, you know, the, seeing it's a little tree, it's putting everything into the production of the fruit. But the other thing is, Pat, sometimes when we've had a lot of rain, which we have, I mean, we haven't had it every day, but when we get it, it has been torrential. That can it, leach the soil out. Right. But uh, it's a little early now to fertilise again. But yes, when we, I yeah, when we get to the end of August, give it right. some uh, poultry manure. And, oh, okay. And then some citrus food a few weeks later. Right. But, but in the meantime, you've heard us talk about Flourish, the wonder foliant fertiliser, haven't you? Um, yes, uh, years ago, I think, Flourish. At the Flourish. moment, I'm with Crop. Right, okay, that's good. But Flourish do make a good foliant fertiliser for citrus. Right. And now what that will do, your leaves will absorb that straight away if you can manage to buy some. Right. And that'll and so help green it up. pour it onto the leaves? Yes, you pour it all over the leaves and into, you know, into the soil. But it's a, what we call a foliant fertiliser, so the leaves absorb it. Oh, okay. Okay, Dak, but you have to get the citrus one, designated for citrus. Okay, all right. I'll look for that. Thank you. You're quite welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. We've got Sue from Blacksmith regarding, I'm not quite sure how to say this, impatience? Or is impatience? Or impatience. Impatience. Impatience, if we're going to get technical, but impatience is a much better way to say it, isn't it? And. when I looked at it, that's how it felt to me, like impatience. <laughs> You're very impatient. <laughs> so, Sue, what um, yeah. what did you want to know? How to spell it, dear? No, no, no. Um, it was going absolutely beautiful. It was all full of leaves and flowers and everything. And I just want to know, do they die off in the winter? No, oh, probably this winter. I feel like I'm dying off. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I reckon uh, I do too. <laughs> look, they have a problem, Sue. Uh, do you remember about five years ago, everyone's garden had the lovely bright white impatience in. 
and all of a yeah, sudden... Yeah, that's what I've got, the bright mm. white one, and it's just losing its leaves, and yep. it's starting to flower again, but it's got no leaves. Yeah, look, I, look I'm look, i guessing here without seeing it, because uh, it is a real problem in New South Wales. Uh, um, oh, the fungus went right through it. I'm trying to think of it now. Uh, I've had a mental block. But it is a fungal disease, and you will need to spray with something like Mancozeb. 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 It's a fungal disease. Mancozeb. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, it wiped all the impatience out. That's truly why you're not seeing many for sale anymore. Most of the wholesale growers... I only, I only bought this from Bunnings um, earlier on this year. Just, oh. You know, about springtime. Right. And it was beautiful. And it grew big, like it was only in a small pot. And when I replanted it in the garden, it, it was absolutely beautiful. Everywhere there was a flower and it was green leaves and everything. And it's just gone all limp and not sort of limp. It's sort of still standing up, but all the leaves have gone. and They're getting a bit and, shriveled. And, yeah. Yeah. Look, yeah. it's a combination of the weather, but the fungal disease is brought on by the weather. So uh, honestly, if you spray it with mancozeb, you might save it. Okay. But it right. is Thank you very it's much, a Judy. common problem, a real common problem with them now, unfortunately. Because mm, they're so beautiful. They're a very useful it plant. Very, it was very lovely, yeah. Yeah. No, oh, I'm I... sorry about that, Sue, but there's not a lot more you can do. Okay. okay. Thank you very much, Judy. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are FM. Any questions for Judy Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we head to Elmore Vale with Mariola. Have I pronounced that right? Yes, you did. Yes, I'm pretty happy with that. What a pretty name, Mariola. Oh, thank you. That's lovely. Is that, um, uh, was that a family name or? No, it's a first name. No, no, was it, you know, handed down from your family? No, 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 I come from Europe and uh, I suppose it's just a common name. Oh, right. Like Baby or Kathy or something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. Now, what's your problem there, Mariola? Okay, uh, I've planted a hibiscus plant a um, few months ago and there was a beautiful yellow with a um, red centre and it's just changed colour. It's become an orange. Oh, how dare it. <laughs> so it's... I don't know whether it's something to do with the soil or just the winter. Oh, oh look, more than anything, it's probably the winter. But, uh, you know, her, what you will do, Mariola, is coming up to the spring, you'll definitely feed that hibiscus up with cow manure. Okay. Is it in the ground, I should ask you yes, first? Yes, it is, and it yep. was a good soil. And yep. I, actually, I did feed with uh, some cow with something. Right, okay. Well, uh, cow manure coming up to the spring, mm-hmm. and uh, they absolutely love that. And let's see if we can trigger that colour back into the flowers. Okay, and the, the, the other question was that about the impatience, and uh, I think um, the lady before, um, I think I got an answer for it because I did have an impatience in the ground, or I do have it still. It's uh, like a. Um, I've got a few of them, and a few of them died. And what happened was that they look like uh, they're going wilty. Yes, that's right. A lack right. of water. No, it wouldn't be lack of water, I'm pretty sure. Uh, not at the moment. We've had No, few, no, no, no. Yeah. No. Uh, but honestly, the fungal disease has really... It's called powdery mildew. 
and yep. uh, it wiped them out completely. We couldn't buy any from any growers for a long time. They weren't being grown in New South Wales for that reason. So um, I think her problem is probably the powdery mildew. But thank okay. you for that, I, Mariola. I've got the mix ready, actually. Oh, <laughs> have you? Something yesterday, so I will do that. Okay, do it regularly. Okay. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. Cheers, Mariola. We've got Tony from Thornton now and sticking with hibiscus. He's got some problems with hibiscus shrubs and a citrus tree. How you doing, Tony? Oh, fine, thanks, except for the cool. <laughs> Tony, you should have been down at Merriweather working yesterday with me. Oh, uh, I, 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 you're stupid or I'm stupid. I tried to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's say I am, but now what's your problem? Right, I've got a citrus tree that was recently acquired this place and the citrus tree was sort of half dead and staffed by surrounding trees which I've removed and I've been trying to get my citrus tree going again which I have to a very large extent um, because I cut dead wood out and I fertilised it and so forth etc and I've got it going reasonably well but the, the new leaves or a lot of the new leaves are still giving me indication of um of, uh, of the mite and uh, I've, you know uh, the pest oil treatment has sort of been up to date and I'm wondering if what I heard in your previous program um, with the copper oxychloride might be something to do with the green the green it, it starts off light and starts then other times it'll start off very nice and dark uh, and you know it certainly is and they curl a little bit like as if they were mites, so I don't know. So, Tony, are you seeing the tracing on the leaves? Is the well, leaf shriveling, curling up? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Well, look, you need to go and look for some eco products called Citrus Leaf Miner Protection. And it's a sticky tape and it's very good. Uh, You'll hang it in your tree and you'll find it will lure those mites in because you've tried the eco oil, haven't you, and that hasn't done the job. So I think we need to go one better. But the other thing you could give it is some eco seaweed. Um, I've been out there with um, a few doses of uh, uh, fish emulsion, um, the fertiliser rather than the... um, uh, what am I trying to say? Rather than the fish um, grow. That's uh, all right, but don't forget in August you're going to give it a good feed up with poultry manure and citrus feed. Right, poultry yeah. manure and so far it's only been um, 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 super phosphate. Right. You've only given it super phosphate? Yeah. It's probably yep. new. It's a wonder it's not climbing the wall. Oh, well, there, I mean, it does look very good, but as I said, it's not good. It's not good. Uh, I think, look, the weather can be attributed for so many things this time, Tony. Right. How about is pest oil uh, or, or eco oil um, 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 compatible with copper oxy? Uh, you don't need to use copper oxy because that's for melanose on the fruit. Oh, right. And okay. you haven't got that, I, no. You've I got... don't know what the thing is yet. It's citrus, that's all I know. Yeah. No, uh, melanose is a grey appearance on the fruit, on the skin. Right. So, yeah. Uh, what you've got is leaf miner. 
I reckon it is, yes. Yeah, yep. So, look, see if you can find one of those eco traps around uh, yep. and keep up your pest oil. No, okay? Well, now, my second question is, I've also got some pretty ancient uh, hibiscus. They're all scraggly and badly need pruning. Now, once again, I've gotten into them and fed them and I've got them sort of a little bit on the way back. When can I prune them? Uh, the hibiscus should never be pruned, treated as a tropical plant until we get really warm weather and then you hit it with cow manure. Right. Okay. Thank you, yep. Tony, for the call. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. bye Judy. Bye. Before we get to Vince from Anna Bay, Judy, you've got a recipe of your own for tomato sprays. I have, Greg, and, you know, once they start planting tomatoes, they're going to be looking for all kinds of things for fruit flies. So one thing you can do is use the fruit use the fruit fly traps. But years and years ago, I started mixing up Malathon yep. and Vegemite. Oh, okay. Vegemite. Now, Vegemite. The Vegemite attracts the female fly. You put it on the tomato steak. You paint it on the tomato steak. Yep. The female, she goes and eats the Vegemite and the Malathon sends her down to beneath the ground, we hope. But please don't ring up and ask about uh, quantities. All you do is mix a mixable paste of Malathon and Vegemite. Okay, a mixable paint so that you can paint it on your tomato steak. So fairly thickish. Fairly thickish, yeah. Plenty of Malathon in it so she gets nasty and sick. Very good. So try that at home. Now, we've got a giveaway today as well, Judy. We do. A big box of goodies. A big box of goodies. All the wonderful eco products. That gentleman was just talking about eco oil. We've also got in it uh, one of the citrus minor traps. Uh, We've got eco neem, which we talked about, is for grasshoppers. That's right. And then have to cut their heads off. Yep. And then there's the new eco seaweed. Now, this... This range of products now has been developed because, you know, we're starting to become very conscious about what we use and what we spray. Uh, This company has done an excellent job doing that. Very good. And Mm. we're going to give that away to, I think, our first caller, wasn't it? Myrna. She had problems. She had problems. She had a lot of problems. problems. And she managed to get through. I think she got through most of them. I think so. (laughs) She'll probably ask me when she comes in, won't you, Myrna? (laughs) (laughs) We've got Vince from Anna Bay. And Vince has got problems with his passion fruit vines. Yes, hello, Judy. How are you? Excellent, dear. What could I help you with? Well, I'd like to know about my passion for vine. Now, it's got heaps of passion fruits on there. Some of the plant has died off, of course. But I don't know what to do, whether I should sacrifice the fruit and uh, cut it right back, or should I leave the fruit to continue? Uh, Vince, how old is it? Oh, it's basically the first year that's fruited. Oh, right. That's okay. Yep. Uh, look, I'm. Uh, it's not going to ripen at the moment. You know, you'd be waiting for spring and summer for that fruit to ripen. Mm. So I'm a bit inclined to say pull the fruit off and don't cut the vine back. Uh, not at all? No, look, not at this time of year, Vince. I think it's a bit hairy with the weather. Yeah, so, so I, look, I'm more inclined. You you know that the passions aren't going to ripen uh, without yes. the warmth. So uh, even if you take half of them off and take the stress off the plant and, yes. you know, coming up to spring, start pumping the cow manure into it. Yeah, so there's no need to, to prune it back? I wouldn't at this stage if you're telling me that's how old it is, yeah. Yeah, it's only the first 
year that's yeah, been no, made fruit. No, I don't it's think it's It's grown beautifully. I was very happy with it. And it's still got heaps of fruit on there. Yeah, well, I, I'm definitely convinced that you shouldn't prune it back at this stage. Just take mm-hmm. half the fruit off. Yes. Okay. Well, then, thank you very much. For Thanks, Vince. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Cheers, Vince. We've got David from Nelson Bay and transplanting his mandarin trees. Uh, yes, um, good afternoon. My concern is um, they're in sand at the moment. They're about three years old and I want to relocate them into another sandy patch. I just wondered what special precautions I should take uh, and how I should treat the soil before I remove them and is it a good time to do it now? Uh, David, I think you'd need to wait till the weather warms up a little bit. Pre-spring would be ideal before we start to get heat. Uh, prepare your soil. You say it's very sandy, so perhaps you need to get a load of you know good organic soil and mix yes. it in. And don't put fertiliser in there, of course. And yes. if you damage the roots, we'll take that amount of growth off the top of the plant as well. Yes. Okay, but that's basically it, and then water, water, water. Okay. Yeah, okay. Thank you so much, Judy. Okay. You're welcome, Dave. Thank you. Bye. 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 Cheers, David. I think we've got time for one more caller, and it's Don from East Maitland. I'm not quite sure about this. A Japanese box used as a hedge? <laughs> yes. Yeah, they're regulars. Regulars, Greg. Oh, okay. How are you, Don? What can I help you with? I'm good, Judy. How are you? Excellent. <clears throat> thank you. Um, yes, I put a... I planted a Japanese box as a hedge. It's in uh, fairly clay soil, and I, I have a couple dying off every now and again. I've replanted a couple, but uh, they go yellow on the leaves. Yeah, and They don't like wet feet, Don. Don't they? No. Uh, many years ago, we had uh, an acreage, and we had a long slope down to the swimming pool, and we had Japanese block box planted mm. all the way around the edge. Mm. And... The Japanese box on the other side of the pool, away from the slope, they were always green. But in winter, mm-hmm. the ones on the downside, you know, on the bottom of the slope, they would do yep. exactly what yours are doing. And right. we counteracted that by applying dolomite fairly regularly. Right. But you'll have to try and break that clay up maybe with a liquid clay breaker. Mm-hmm. But they do not like the clay and wet feet. So right. dolomite... And a yeah. liquid clay breaker. How's that yeah, sound? That sounds good. Now, if I have trouble with this one, what, what would you say is a better hedge to put in? Where you've got clay? Yeah. Look, anything will struggle, to be honest. Um, well, yeah. Perhaps a golden duranta might tolerate it, but, you know, you're going to a yellow and you, you're looking for a nice green, aren't you? Green, yeah. Yeah. Look, you'll fix it. Honestly, the dolomite and yeah. the liquid clay breaker will work for you. All right, then. Okay. Okay, thank you very much thank for that. Thank you, Don. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers, thanks very much, Don. Well, Judith, that is all for us. <laughs> it is a Monday <laughs> afternoon. You look completely pooped and ready. <laughs> day, no, Judith. it's been lovely. and We've had a variety of calls, Greg. It's been wonderful, hasn't it? It's been great, a great variety of all sorts. Yes, definitely. Very good. Well, I'll see you next week. I'm not sure what he's doing next week. Is he back? Oh, I don't know. It's Should his... we dob him in? He's actually skiing. Oh, that's he's right. He's probably live streaming us, you know, checking on us. That's all right. <laughs> Critiquing us for next yeah. week. I think he'll be back next week. Very good. Well, 
Until next time then, Judy. Thank, thank you, very you much. Greg, for having me.